The Bad and Ambitious Podcast is an unfiltered and authentic podcast where I will be discussing topics relating to self-improvement, finance, and relationships. I'm redefining what a bad bitch is, and I'm giving you the tools to be your most well-rounded and confident self. Follow me on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever else you listen to podcasts. For up-to-date information and motivational content, follow my Instagram at the Bad and Ambitious Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Welcome back to the Bad and Ambitious podcast. On today's episode, I have a guest. Her name is Beth Bradley, and she is the owner of the Collective Hair Studio. So if you need your hair did, hit her up. She is located in North Palm Beach, Florida. And before we get started, I just wanted to give a little shout out that I'm a few plays shy of a thousand plays, and I am starting season two. I just wanted to kind of separate certain things in seasons because I feel like the first season was me getting started not really knowing what the fuck I was doing doing it anyways and season two I just want to improve and get better and just break up kind of all the episodes but thank you guys so much for being here and let's get right to it hello Beth how are you hi Mary I'm good I'm excited to be here so today we're going to talk about signs your job is toxic and knowing when it's time to leave because we both have different experiences that we can share with people and I think it's important to know when to leave too like that's the main point because sometimes we just drag things out forever and let's just start off by saying how we met and how you found out about the podcast sure so I was lucky enough to be introduced to Mary from a mutual friend of ours um Garrett Mitchell um he thought that we would get along and vibe really well and he spoke really highly of your podcast and he's known me for a long time uh, before I started my business and so he thought that it would just kind of be a good a good match for the two of us to meet and I'm super glad that he did that because I'm excited to be on this uh, podcast with you. He gave me some of his merch um, so I decided to give him some of uh, the salon's merch which are stickers that we had made um, and it says bad bitches only um, and it's become kind of our uh, it's a hashtag that we use on a lot of our uh, pictures and a lot of our clients use it when they tag us in selfies from the salon. Um, and I wish I could take full credit for it, but actually um, one of my stylists, Samantha, um, came up, she came in one day with a little um, chalkboard uh, at her station and it had letters and it wrote bad bitches only. And it just kind of took off. The clients absolutely loved it and it just became like our thing. And actually, um, Samantha is no longer with me, but we're still really good friends and she's awesome. Uh, when she left, I didn't know, but she kind of secretly hid the uh, little board on my station with a note um, and said for, for me to always remember her. So Bad Bitches Only is uh, original, collective, and it will always be. So, um, yeah, it's kind of cool to see our, our, our stickers with young people and uh, even some of our older clientele that puts it like on their golf bag and stuff. And I saw a girl at the gym the other day with a bad bitches only sticker on her water bottle. And I walked up to her and I was like, Hey, I really like your sticker. She's like, Oh, thanks. It's the salon I go to. And I was like, yeah, I've heard of it. That's cool. (laughs) That's funny. Yeah. I think it's cool because the whole point of the podcast is for me to redefine what a bad bitch is. And even my mom, I was telling her, like, about the podcast. She doesn't really understand. <laughs> She's like, am I a bad bitch? <laughs> I was like, yes. Birth to a bad bitch. Hell yeah. Because I want to have her on because she actually bikes across the U.S., like, with the clothes on her back, basically. And that's pretty badass. So definitely want to have her on. 
being a bad bitch comes in all shapes and sizes and there's really no limit to what you if you think you're a bad bitch you're a bad bitch you know what I mean but there's still like a standard of it you know I think being a bad bitch you you can't be a bitch though to be a bad bitch yeah, right no have, it's no yeah you have That's to like include no. can't be like a bitch by definition right like a bad no. bitch that sees another bad bitch across the room and is like you're doing a good job or says exactly on social is like wow i see what you're doing and i appreciate like that's a bad bitch someone that talks shit or talks down to you you're just an asshole you're not a bad bitch yeah no like you're fake you're wannabe bad bitch exactly (laughs) if you're a bad bitch for me is like you're the whole package you're kind yeah you're you know you try to look like hot you try to have like your finances in check you're a good person you uplift others so it encapsulates a lot of what it means to be like a good person but like do it well and be the example for other people a hundred percent yes so let's talk about your job that you want to your old job that you want to talk about the first sign of a toxic workplace is gaslighting yes so i this was something i wanted to talk about and i recently did a tiktok um about the five most toxic trait of salon owners. I can speak about hair salons because that's what I've done. I've been in the hair business for 20 plus years and I opened the Collective Hair Studio a couple of years ago. um, And I vowed to myself that when I opened, I was going to be a very different kind of owner. I worked for um, predominantly all male owners. Um, The salon industry is kind of dominated by men. Um, And there are some really positive, great, owners out there. I just was not fortunate enough to work with them or for them. Um, So I think the first thing that I started to notice when it comes to gaslighting is saying things like, you'll never be successful without me, right? Like that's a, that's a big one. Like you'll, you'll never make it. Like if you are talking maybe in the back room, you're like, man, one day I'd like to own my own salon or I'd like to open my own firm, right? Or I'd like to do this. And you know, it's like being in a relationship with a boyfriend and he says, you'll, you know, you'll never live without me. You could never, you know, be without me yeah. on your own. Right. It's the same kind of thing when you have a, your work relationship is kind of similar to it's, it's a relationship, whether it's work or it's, you know, a boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever. Um, so I started to really feel every day that I was just going to be punished if I wanted to be successful. And it was making it harder and harder for me to like, just go into work, right. And be positive. And mm-hmm. I, I really felt like for a long time, like, this is where I'm going to be. Like, I'm going to die here. Like I'm never going to be able to leave because it, it was, it's really scary. And I think when people gaslight you, whether they're narcissists or whatever, they know they've spent years, right. Like pounding into your head that you're either not good enough or something bad is going to happen. If you leave, and even if you're a bad bitch, you start to believe it. And if you're, I was at my mm-hmm. job for a very, very long time. So I was comfortable, even though I was miserable, right? I was comfortable. And I think a lot of people stay in jobs and relationships when they're miserable because it's what they know, right? Like, Yeah. And for sure, like anything can tear you down. You can start off, you know, like when you start a job or you start anything, like you're like naive, you're kind of easily impressionable I guess especially if it's a job that like you've never done before so like my first job was toxic and I stayed 
for kind of too long. And my, I really liked it in the beginning. I was an intern. They hired me after I graduated. And I was like, I, same thing. I was like, I could see myself here forever. And then it started to get really bad at certain points. And I was eating in my car, like every day for lunch, I would leave. I would just say hello in the morning and goodbye. Imagine like you at work, like work is very important because we spend a lot of time there. Like I see my coworkers more than I see my family, you know, like it's your daily routine Yeah, and you just get used to it. And I was just, I was very young when I first started there. So I, for me, it was like all I knew. And then when I started to not really like it anymore toward the end, I had an idea of how I was, I was going to quit on my own terms and I was, like, fantasizing about, like, how I was going to do it because I was, like, fuck this place. Like, I was, like, thinking about it, like, visualizing how I was going to do it, like, and I would be happy. Like, that was – I was looking forward to it. But then I got fired randomly, even though, like, we weren't literally working for two weeks. Like, I had nothing to do. But I had a test coming up, and my whole thing was, like, I'm going to wait literally until my test. I have to focus on my test, and then I'll start applying. But the universe was, like, no, bitch, get the fuck out of there. Like, you yep. wait too long. It was, like, you – I had I got fired and I it was out of the blue. It wasn't in my plan. I should have just trusted my instinct and quit like a month before that. But I got fired on the Friday. Was so shook because I'm like I'm a pretty like good girl. Like I nothing bad has ever like I've never done anything wrong. And when you get fired from a job, you feel like a piece of shit. You know what I mean? Like what the fuck do you do now? So I passed my test, thank God, on a Saturday. But the words of the lady kept on repeating in my head because she was like. It wasn't a good fit for either of us. But it's like, bitch, I've been here five years. How the fuck wasn't it a good fit when you gave me a raise every summer that I never asked for and you hired me after I graduated school? Like, how wasn't it a good fit? And that kept on replaying in my head. Thank God I passed the test. And I was dreading on Monday to go to... Actually, we didn't have to go to work because we were tenting, like, our building. And the office was closed from Monday through Wednesday. So I was still getting paid. And I just wasn't working because obviously I didn't bring my laptop and stuff back to my house because I got fucking fired. So what the fuck? You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) what's the point? Keep it. Yeah, exactly. So on Monday, because they were, they gave me two weeks and I woke up on Monday, like dreading Monday. And I get a message from some random girl on Facebook, like, hey, my job is looking for a draftsman. Are you, do you know anyone that's looking for a job? And I was like, bitch, me, (laughs) I'm looking for a job. So that just taught me that when something is not right, you need to get the fuck out of there. Like, don't even question your intuition. And I think, I don't know about men, I can't speak for men and their intuition, but I know women, we have that as a power. And I should have learned, I mean, obviously I was very young at the time, but it's like next time, if something feels weird, like I'm not even questioning it, I'm out, I'm out that bitch. You know what I mean? Like, and you just need to trust and if things are happening at your job, you're, like, not being spoken to with respect. Imagine, like, eating in your car. Like, it would yeah. be so hot in my car. <laughs> <laughs> I was, like, like a loser, like, eating my fucking car to, like, escape, to go somewhere else. Like, that wasn't – that's not healthy. And when it became, like, an everyday thing, I was, like, what the fuck? Like, this is not right. But I didn't notice at the time. In hindsight, I'm, like, bitch, how long was I fucking unhappy? You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like the kid eating their lunch in the library because, like, I know. <laughs> yeah, I think when I look back, and I'm sure you probably feel the same way. And I've I've kind of adapted this with work 
but for sure relationships too. Like I ended right around the time I opened my son, I ended an almost 20 year marriage and like he wasn't gaslighting me. The the marriage was over for a long time, but again, I stayed because I was comfortable. Exactly. When you just know that something is over, it's, it's over. And it is the scary Mm -hmm. fucking thing to leave a job, to leave a marriage. Mm -hmm. Like, but that, those big jumps are what makes you a bad bitch. That is what really, like, I thought I was a tough chick until I opened a business. I went through a lawsuit. I went through a divorce. I lost my mother. I closed my business because of, like, you want to talk about, like, just being thrown into the fire? Like, that was scary as F. But when you make those big jumps, like... Like you had this whole plan. I had a plan about leaving too, right? Like in my head, I was like, I'm leaving. I'm going to open up my own place, blah, blah. And the universe shifted and things happened and I ended up getting, you know, let go. Um, And, but it was meant to be that way. Like exactly, you didn't get fired that day. You wouldn't have gotten that Facebook post. Like if everything didn't happen the way that it did to me, I wouldn't be the owner and the woman that I am today for sure. Exactly. And with a lot of things, relationships, whatever, like I've been noticing as I'm getting older now, it's like, oh my gosh, (laughs) when things happen, like you think it's the worst situation ever. Like I'm being very exact, like I'm exaggerating right now, but like you think like your life is over, like you don't know what's next, like tomorrow, next week. Like, I don't know how the fuck I was going to like pay my rent. Like I live alone. Like I didn't know. Or like when you had a relationship with someone you like don't know what it's like to not have that routine with someone and it's just a lot of unknowns but when you look back is when you're like oh shit that made sense like I didn't I outgrew those situations and I'm very grateful not that I want to like thank anyone that like fucked me over but it's like right I made it I it was my choice to like either see the lesson or not and I saw the lesson Things take a lot of time for you to, like, heal and shit. Because even my job thing, like, that was low-key traumatic in a way. Because, like I was telling you earlier, was that I didn't know how toxic it was until everyone else, when I left, they're like, how the fuck did you even work there for so long? Like, I was, like, so confused. But then, like, later, like, as time went on, like, I felt like I shed off that negative energy. Yeah, well, I think you have blinders on. it, Like, because you have to just, like, trudge through, right? Like, that fear gets you so you don't realize how toxic uh, a workplace or a, a relationship is until you've stepped back right yes. and then, oh, exactly. whoa like I I couldn't to save my soul and to save my well-being and to save like my heart I couldn't really wrap my head around how fucked up my work situation was or how alone I felt in my marriage because I just had blinders on because if I really looked at the whole picture it was too much right it was too depressing it was overwhelming and then when you take those blinders off and you you've made it through the situation you're like damn that was so toxic like how did I stand that behavior for so long we can always tell when our friends are going through something really fucked up but it's like we need to it's because we have the outside perspective but if you're in it it's hard to see it Like when you start telling people things and some people choose to not tell people like the worst parts about people or they only tell people like the bad shit, you know, but when you see it from a different perspective, that's when you're like, okay, like this is not acceptable. 
Yeah. And I think a lot of people think it makes them weak to leave. Like it makes them weak to leave a relationship. It makes them a quitter, you know, like even weird loyalty. That's the fucked up thing about gaslighting is somebody can fuck you over so bad, but you feel disloyal by leaving that situation. It is such a mind fuck. I knew that I had to get out and I was leaving, but I, in the back of my head, not anymore, but I was like, I feel kind of bad that I'm leaving. I feel bad. I feel like I'm letting someone down. I feel bad that I'm divorcing my husband. Right. And it's like, now I'm like, what did I feel bad for? Yeah. I think that's like a woman thing. I feel like men just, they don't give a fuck. Like they'll dip regardless. Like they don't go through like those emotional trials and tribulations that we'd go through. Not in the way that we do, maybe. Maybe no. like our own way, but not the way that we feel more attached to things. Yeah, we're attached for sure. And also what I've learned is at jobs, you're just an employee at the end of the day. Yep. Like, they'll fire anyone if they have to. If there was a recession, it's, they have to. Like, they can't really be like, oh, well, they can't bring their feelings into it. So and terribly hard thing to to realize that, like, I thought I had a relationship with other owners and I had a, a friendship with them and I realized I didn't like it was, it was business. Now it's different the way that I run my salon. Um, I actually really care about the people that work for me and work with me. Um, I don't treat them the way that I was treated and it's a conscious effort every day to be the kind of leader that I wanted to have, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like, I've worked for a lot of very disorganized assholes, and I'm like, okay, well, I'm actually learning how to not run a business. I think when you're young, like, it sucks to work at a bunch of shit jobs and maybe work for, like, shitty people and work with shitty people. But, man, down the road, if you decide to ever open your own business or become your own boss, I think the best – it's not so much learning how to run your business, but how to not run your business – is what makes you different and successful. Yeah, I can see that. I've never had a woman boss, but men, they just, I don't know. I feel like men and women, obviously, we have different strengths and weaknesses, but Mm -hmm. men sometimes are just, like, very aggressive, and the way they talk down to people is, like, my issue. Yeah, and I'm a very aggressive woman. I mean, I'm definitely, like, alpha, and I'm assertive, and my team would tell you, like, I I don't take shit from anyone, but I speak very kindly to my team because I don't feel the need to be aggressive or nasty because I've also built a team of emotionally intelligent stylists that are badass people, and I don't need to speak to them that way because they come to work to work and they choose to work at the collective and they, the way that they interact with each other and stuff, it just builds everybody up. You don't, you know, I've, I've never had to like yell at at somebody that works for me. I just don't because I hire people that are like-minded like me and that don't, they don't like my, the girls that work with me don't, they can't be coached by yelling and aggressiveness, right? They've worked in other male dominated toxic salons and it doesn't work for them what works for them is me sitting down with them and saying how can i make you better and i have to coach them in differently they have very different personalities some really like goals some like um a numbers goal some like a service goal like everyone is different and i feel like when i sit down and i talk to them like that 
man, they want to work hard, not only for me, but for the business, for the salon. There's loyalty there. hundred percent. You can't create loyalty through fear. You, you really can't. You, you can't. Yeah. You fear from fear. You might think people are loyal to you, but they're scared of you. Exactly. And that's not a true leader. Like you shouldn't scare your people because then when they get another opportunity, they're going to dip. Absolutely. And they're going to look at somebody like an owner like me and be like, wow, like she's kind of doing the same damn thing that I'm doing, but like in a different way. And look how happy her employees are and look how, you know, happy the clients are. Like people see that they do. Yeah. And that also has to do with, I feel like the way you talk to people has a lot to do with like your own self-respect and how you handle a lot of other things. Like if you don't even care about how you, how other people feel, then how would you care about anything else about like getting your job done or speaking to clients? And yeah, that's like a whole thing. And like for my field, it's architecture. There's, it's a very male dominated industry and all the people that are like the head owners of like these big firms they're all old so it's like old mentality and then they're men but to me in my eyes like most of them are not true men like actual men they're like little pussies you know what I mean like they're not nice suit they're not like they don't like have direction like they just are scared I don't know like they're giving like little dick energy (laughs) yeah a, a truly I think dominant leader right whether it's a, a man or a woman, what makes them dominant and what makes them successful is making sure that the people that work with them are taken care of, that yep. they are being heard, that they are, that's, that's what really a real leader is. And, and I think a lot of, I don't know if it's how guys are raised or whatever, but they just think they get more by barking at somebody than by sitting down and saying like, what, what can I get from you? What makes you work? You make a more productive person by getting on their level and seeing how they work and how they succeed. And it's different for everyone. I feel like a lot of those men need healing and they need therapy because it's just not cute. Like I see through it. And for me, like I'm the kind of person that I can be aggressive with my energy, but when people are high intensity stress, I just, stare at them and I'm like I look down on those people because it's like you don't know how to talk you can easily say the same exact thing in another tone and I'm gonna actually listen to you yeah well I think tone is you know everything I mean who I grew up with a you know a four foot 11 86 pound mother Jewish mother who you know like yelled everything but also ended you know the yelling with like hugging like that's just how we communicated you know, um, it's, it's all how you kind of deliver it. Like, you know, yelling and being loud doesn't affect me. Um, but for some people, it's a trigger for them. You know, me, someone yells at me, I'm like, whatever. But somebody, if I yelled at maybe one of my team members, they would think that I thought they were doing a bad job or they weren't a good, per- weren't a good person or they like retreat, right? And yeah. other people I can yell at and they're like, you know what, Beth? I need to fucking step it up. Right? Like, yeah. <laughs> all the delivery. It depends on the person. Yeah. And I think also what you were talking about earlier is just having emotional intelligence and knowing a few things about psychology and seeing how you can connect with certain people because everyone's different. Everyone's different. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about when your job does not celebrate your wins. 
Yeah. So this, I think not just a salon thing, but a, in general, right. I think it's like, yeah, team, we're going to hit this goal and we're going to do this. And then I'll use a particular instance. We had, um, like a, it was a color competition or something like years ago at my old place. Right. And you had to sell like so much product and do this and do that and whatever. And we were all excited and they're like, yeah, we won. We're like, awesome. Well, guess what they won. The, the owners won like courtside seats to like a basketball or football game. And like, we didn't get shit. And I was like, wait, we did all the work. Oh, like, hell no. Right. Like you won the flat screen TV and like, I like busted my ass selling $500 with a shampoo. Like what? So there's a lot of people that like, they'll say, you know, oh, I, I did this beautiful hair color, right? Like, oh my God, Beth, look at this gorgeous color. It wouldn't be fucked up for me, especially I have um, a lot of young stylists and some of them have, you know, been my assistants or worked as assistants. If they come up to me like, Beth, look at this badass color and haircut I did. Instead of me saying, oh my God, that is so gorgeous. Like, I love that. What a lot of people say is, yeah, I taught you everything you know. Not someone on my job has used that. Like, they've taught someone yes. else everything. And this person, I mean, I don't want to say too much because I work there now. But, like, why the fuck does that matter? Way to crush somebody's soul. That's, like, it's almost like your kid, right? Like, when my assistants or, like, my younger stylist or even my seasoned stylist do some, like, magical fucking hair, right? They come to me like, Beth, look. Or they send me a picture. They want to for me to be proud of them. They want to show me like they're doing good. Right. And I love that shit. Like I thrive on when they do a good job. I'm like, damn, you're so talented. How would you feel if you were like some 20 year old stylist working with me, who's been doing hair for 20 years. And I tell you it could have been better. Or I taught you that like, that just goes, it like deflates you. Yeah, right. Not going to want to speak up again. No. And you're going to feel like you're, you're not worthy. Right. You're going to feel like, if the boss says like, Hey, all of you guys can walk out tomorrow and I can replace every one of you. How the fuck do you think that makes your employee feel? Wait, Not- you've been told that before. I've been told that before. And I heard it. I heard an owner. There was a client complaining about the front desk, the front desk at any salon, by the way, whatever you're paying your front desk people, it's not enough because it is the hardest job. And a client was just being awful to these girls at the front desk. And the girl said, you know, she was rude to me. She cursed at me, blah, 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 blah. And the owner looked at them and said, I can replace every single one of you. The client's always right. The client's more important, blah, 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 blah. And I remember standing there looking at this person thinking, how gross. You just told somebody who got berated by a client that, that behavior was okay. Like it's okay to speak to them like that and that they're replaceable. That's it. How awful. Like that broke my heart to watch. Like it broke my heart to watch and hear. And I have other stylists that work with me or that I've worked with that have said, yeah, I worked with an owner, you know, male and female. And they used to tell me all the time that like I was replaceable. I was just an assistant. I was never going to be better than them. And then they wonder why they leave. Well, hello. (laughs) You just said they're replaceable, motherfucker. Like, they're going to leave. I just don't understand. I feel like, what the hell? I've never heard. That's crazy. Like, I don't even know what I would. I would walk away. Like, I feel like being an owner of any business is a privilege, right? It's not a right. You don't become an owner and just automatically have the right to be a boss, right? Like, 
anyone can be a boss. Being a leader is completely different. And just because you own a business does not give you the right to treat people poorly. And I think a lot of people have been in toxic other relationships or toxic environments and they, it kind of, instead of them being intelligent, emotionally intelligent like me and going, hey, this is what I don't wanna do. They're like, oh, it's like the kid that's bullied. Oh, I'm gonna get my own business and I'm gonna bully these people because I it made, it'll make me feel more like a man or make me feel more successful. It's just like a fucking cycle. At some jobs, there's favorites, but at the end of the day, if someone is treated poorly or treated fairly, whatever, like if someone talks shit about another employee, they can easily be talking shit about you. Oh, I said that if, I think we're going to touch on this, but yeah. in my TikTok, one of the, the top five things I said is of toxic salon owners is an owner that speaks poorly about other salons and other stylists and it could be for anything it could be an architecture firm if you're speaking poorly about their work or their employees or whatever that's your insecurity showing exactly like i don't care what other salons are doing in my area right like i follow salons and salon owners that are doing the damn thing and i'm the first person like damn that work is good wow that stylist is talented I, I reach out to salon owners you know that i respect and i'm like wow your team is killing it i'm so happy for you right I don't have time to talk shit about other people. You're, you're not, if you're not exactly. even on the radar, I don't give a shit. Yeah, exactly. And if you're talking trash about me or my stylist, then you're paying attention to what we're doing and we're doing something right. Period. Yeah, and I've heard comments at the toxic job, at other jobs, where they literally talk shit about people where they can hear. Like, the person can hear them talking yeah. shit. And Why? it only causes strife in the workplace. It, it it doesn't, you know, and if you're speaking to another employee about, or if you're speaking to an employee, excuse me, about another employee as an owner, that's fucked up. And a lot of times that employee that you're speaking to thinks they're a favorite or, oh, wow, the boss is, you know, telling me about, you know, Mary not doing her job and blah, blah. Guess what? That same person is talking about you to somebody else. Exactly. And where I used to work, the first job, they would talk shit about the receptionist. And the thing was that it was like these two ladies that worked there for like over 20 years. And there was like the boss. But the boss didn't really like do much. He was more of like the name at this point because he already like made it, I guess. And the receptionist, the receptionist desk was like, 20 feet away and they would always talk shit about her but the two ladies acted like on the surface it looked like they were friends but they weren't and they would always talk shit about each other but it's like dude for 20 years imagine you're talking shit like the person you work with it's like fake like how do you go home and you feel fulfilled when everyone's talking shit about each other it was like one lady was a favorite and then the other lady was like miss her chance because supposedly like she like got pregnant so she like was supposed to be the the sidekick of like my like some bullshit but it's like they lived I think with that resentment with each other and clearly like I just don't can't see it like if you're not happy at work or if you're like you're fake happy how can you be happy like in life you you can't and like you said earlier Mary like you spend so much time at work especially when you're building your career you you're with your coworkers more than you are with your family. I mean, I can't tell you how many soccer games, karate, like I missed a lot being a working mom, right? Like there were a lot of things I got to go to and 
I, I know I'm a wonderful mother and I have a wonderful kid, but there are sacrifices you make when you're trying to build your, your dream. Right. And, and I definitely spent more time at work than I did with my family for many months, many years. Right. So when you're working in a toxic environment like that, it really trickles down. Like it really trickles down and you bring it home with you. Even if you try not to, and you try not to let it mix into your relationships or your friendships, it does. It yeah. really does. Like you want to meet your friends for happy hour, right? Or you go to the gym after and they're like, how was your day? And you're like, man, it fucking sucked. Right. And then you're like that friend that's always negative because you're just miserable all the time. And if you don't change your scenario and your surroundings, it's like, I, there's, I've, I don't know who said it, but it said, you know, if you sit in garbage long enough, it doesn't smell anymore. Yeah. Right. And there's some yeah. serious truth to that when it comes to toxic relationships. Like you just, you don't notice, like I, I talk about the blinders again. It's like, you don't realize how it's affecting all of your life. Like your work life trickles down into everything. Yeah. And it could be like one little negative thing here and there, but then over time, it's like a hundred negative things that have happened in the past few months. One little thing you might not, you just brush it off. And like in a relationship too, like you just don't realize, and I don't want to like ever victim blame people. So like there is certain times, like you do choose to like be in a tough situation because, but at the same time, like you didn't know any better. But it's like sometimes you just don't even realize and you just are quiet about stuff and then you can't get out of it. It's like you don't realize like you're in so deep and you're like, what the fuck happened to me? Like who what? I was so different like a few months ago. And now you're just like and what I was telling you earlier, too, was like I was I had other, I think, problems at the time, but I was like becoming ugly, like literally like my face was breaking out. My hair was falling out. I was like getting chunky. Like it was everything that was wrong you know what I mean like and I think people can realize that sometimes it's like a pattern in your life like in your talk if you're in a toxic relationship or at a job like you're gonna accept other toxic shit because you're just like whatever about it you know yeah you become kind of numb to it exactly so you don't really snap out of it and for me I don't know it just took like a lot of time to heal my job and I had spent at that place like you you know your job you were there forever like for me I was just starting out like I felt like I grew up there because I started when I was my second year in college and architecture is five years and I was there like a year and a half after I graduated so I was there like five years and I grew up there and it's like part of me growing up was just like I look back at it and it's just like felt like not wasted time but it was like what the fuck was I doing you know but it was obviously like a lesson learned I'll pick up on the energy quicker now, but I just kind of like let it happen. And then I saw that you can't do that in a lot of things. Like you can't just let shit happen. Like you need to know yourself and like your emotions and be very in tune with like your needs. And if they're met at work and other things, because I'm very like intuitive and like I've had to relearn those things over time. Because I think as women, we have that in us already. And a lot of us, you know, with through gaslighting, through being, like, shitted on by people. And, you know, you just, like, kind of lose your confidence and you lose your place. But we need to, like, really nurture that and know when something's bad. Like, just trust it and dip. Like, literally just fucking leave. 
Like, it's also okay to not be liked. Like, I think a lot of that comes from, you know, I want people to like me. I don't want to disappoint people. I don't want to let my boss down. I don't want to let my friends down. I don't want to let my spouse down. Like, right? Like, yeah. some got to get tough and be like, and, and have the hard conversations and, and be communicative and speak up and say, you know what, this is not working for me. That I'm not getting what I need. And if that person is not hearing you, there's your sign. Get yeah. the fuck out. Yeah. Like, get the fuck yeah. out. Like if my, if my team comes to me and they're like, Beth, I feel like X, Y, and Z, right? We sit down right there and we talk about it. And I'm like, what can I do to be better, right? Because I'm their leader. I'm I'm supposed to be the person that they come to, right? Mm-hmm. I want them to always feel comfortable. If I don't hear them and I don't make it comfortable for them to come to me and say, this is bothering me, then I'm not being not only an effective leader, I'm not being a good leader and I'm not being the the boss that I wanted to be intentionally. Yeah, and I think a lot of what you're saying is that you just want to align to like your values. Yeah. Realize like you probably would have never had such concrete values if you never were treated poorly in the past and like held so strongly to like being this version that you really wanted to be that you owed to yourself or that you would have wanted back then, which would have made a huge difference in your happiness and, and everything. And you know what I've learned and you touched on this, whether it's a job or being like in a relationship when you bend yourself to be what you think the other person wants, it's over because you're losing yourself. Yeah, you're, exactly. You're losing yourself. You're trying to be this version of yourself that is not authentic and it's done. Yeah, but I think people need to also like know who that person is because I think my issue, not issue, but like my thing was in my job like I never thought about like okay what who's the employee that I want to be who's like the partner that I want to be you know what I mean like I didn't know people need to like be firm on it like is this aligned to my values am I happy because people don't question that and that's why time passes and things happen to them and life is happening for you that's deep Mary it's happening for you not to you and it's hard it's hard when you're in the when I was going through all my stuff um, I had a business coach at the time and he was awesome. And I remember we were on this call and I was like, oh my God, like this lawsuit and my mom is really, really sick. And like, I told my husband, I want a divorce and you know, I'm bleeding money. And he said, Beth, the universe is all doing this for your benefit. I was like, fuck you, man. <laughs> like what kind of hippie shit is that? <laughs> and then we like got a little more into it. And now two years later, I'm like, he was so right. Okay, wait. Oh, right. Let's talk about the lawsuit because it's a little juicy and I feel like you should talk about that if you want to. I can't talk too much about it because I don't want to get in trouble. But um, all I will say is, you know, going through any sort of legal, nobody is ever prepared to go through a legal battle. I don't care if it's like a messy divorce or like, you know, somebody suing you, it's, it's the most awful thing that could ever happen to you. And it's, and, and I'm a very strong person and I consider myself a very strong person and going through something where somebody can say just most, the most outlandish things about you and try to claim your creativity and your work is just fucking gut wrenching. 
Like, there's a reason people, like, copyright and trademark their stuff because they don't want it to get stolen, right? Well, mm. I'm a hairdresser. <laughs> like, I make up, I do color, I've been a colorist for 20 plus years. I make up color formulas in my head. Um, so those, that's my sort of creativity. And in the salon industry, there are, thank God there's not a lot of them. They're, like, dying out. Um, but there are salons that want to have you sign a non-compete. And it's in now when I look at it to me, it's like them taking the poker out of the fire and branding you and saying, you're fucking mine. And if you ever wander off down the street, I'm going to snatch you back. Your creativity, your clients, your like, you can't have it. And people will argue maybe in some, I don't fucking know, other industries that it's necessary to have a non-compete. Not in my industry. It's not. And it's dated and it's terrible. And it's another fear-based tactic that owners put on stylists and especially young stylists. And they think, oh, my God, this is like the best place to work. I'm just going to sign this. They don't realize like they're sort of signing their life away. And it's I just I tell people when I teach classes a lot at like beauty schools and I talk to young stylists. And I, one of the first things I start with is if anyone ever asks you to sign a non-compete, don't, 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 because they, they literally are telling you, hi, come work for me. I have no respect for you. Mm -hmm. I never want you to leave me. I will come after you if you do leave me and you're, it, it, it's like they want to own you. And it's very, I think it's one of the most toxic things that somebody can ask you to do, you know, like. For sure. It's just, it's very, I like, I, I can't really get, like I said, too much into depth because, you know, it, it was what it was. But if I could tell any young person anything, it would be do not, do not sign that non-compete because you own your creativity. I just feel like if I hire you to build me a house and I love the way you build my house, right? And you leave and you go to your own firm. I, I'm not loyal to the firm at that point. I'm loyal to Mary, right? Like I want Mary to build my house because Mary gets my vision and, and that's how it should be, right? Like if I go to Ruth's Chris, I don't ask them to cook my steak like Capitol Grill, right? Because that's Capitol Grill steak. Yeah, exactly. So you can't, you can't like own somebody's creativity, you know, but, but there are, are people out there that try to, Yeah. You know? I don't, I just don't understand, like, I feel like the culture now, especially in, like, the younger generations, they will just dip at any job. I think it's shifting in a good way. Some things are not that good, but for, like, my generation, like, they'll just up and leave if they're not happy, which I think the older generation, they just stick through things out of comfort. But for the non-compete, that's so dumb because it's, like, there are so many other things that like would make you not want to be at a job at there's a certain point where just like you would just think to say like fuck this like I'm not happy and it's not about the work it's about like the vibe you know what I mean it sets the precedent like you know you sue somebody or you sue an employee or you like that shit gets out and it gets around you know like hey this firm is gonna sue you if you leave like that's not attracting, you know, people that want to come and work for you if you're a litigious person, right? If yeah, you're if you're a company and you're like, oh hey, we just we I mean, this is South Florida. People love to sue people for anything. Like I was on 95 not that long ago. I literally saw a billboard 
and it said sue anyone.com or and I was like what or like people sue anyone.com and I'm like there was a legitimate like attorney's office that paid for this thing on on 95 I was like oh my god the kind of world we're living in like sue anyone.com like what the fuck is that and like I just had my first experience with like when you're an owner nobody likes employees leaving right like it it affects you financially. It affects you personally and emotionally, right? At least if you're an owner like I am. Like, I really care about my people. And I had a stylist leave, and it wasn't anything I was doing. It wasn't the salon. It was a financial decision for her to move in a different direction, right? Mm-hmm. And Again, I think it was the universe presenting. I was so sad because I, I really liked her personally. And I thought she was an awesome. I still think she's great. Um, I took a deep breath and I was like, okay, Beth, this is your chance to practice what you've preached. This is somebody incredibly incremental to your business that's leaving. Do you be a total asshole and be reactionary and nasty and negative? Or do you be the boss that you've been talking shit about being? And I really got to step up and be the person that I had talked about being. And I said, I wish you the best. I'm so proud of you. My door is always open to you. I love you. I appreciate you. And her response was, I wish you could be mean about this so I could like hate you. And I said, like, I'm never going to do that. I want it. And it was a great life lesson and universal lesson for me to really step into everything I'd been talking shit about. Right. And it was, it was hurtful and it was upsetting, but it was such a good opportunity for me to go. She's leaving to go on and do bigger and better things for herself. That's what I did, man. Yeah, exactly. That's the evolution. Like I left someplace and, and she left someplace she liked and was comfortable. It was just a good decision for her. And I'm like, I'm so glad that I got to be part of that person's journey to evolve up, right? Because that's what I want. I want to make hairdressers and human beings that come to me a certain way and I get to be participatory in them advancing to be better hairdressers, better owners, better, like, whatever it is in our in our industry. And while, like I said, it, it, it hurt your my feelings a little bit. I got to step back and I get to step back back now and I I look at her and I'm like, wow, I remember when, you know, and not, and not claim, oh, I did this for her. I taught this, like not steal her win, but be inclusive of her win and be like, damn, I got to know her when she was here and look where she is now. What is it? The quote that's like, people remember how you made them feel, not what you said. I totally but you're setting a good example and in the future for her she's gonna remember that and look back at the experience as like a positive experience like I've worked at jobs where I've noticed that when people quit like little dick energy bosses don't even look at the employee they don't say anything they don't say thank you like they just let it like ride and it's like people who've been there for a while and it's like okay I'm witnessing that so it's like what about when I want to leave they're just not going to give a fuck. So why do I, you know, you just start to think about it. Cause it's like, that's not setting a good example. No. And people see how you treat other people and they see how you react. And you know, people talk, people, yeah, within, people talk. We all talk. Yeah. I, 
always know when people are quitting and I like have helped people get new jobs and I've helped people do resignation letters because I know how they feel and I feel differently. Like I have had a different experience, but I still feel for the other people and I totally get them. So like, I just want them to win and I'm like, I'll help you get to where you need to be, you know, but some leaders are just really bad and they make people feel like shit. And sometimes it's not about the money. It's about how you make someone feel because that affects their whole life, literally. Yeah, absolutely. I've had people come to me from other salons and they're making great money and they're doing great, but they're not happy with like their leadership or they're not happy with, you know, maybe not being appreciated or not being seen or someone stealing their wins. You know, it's not like, you know, I'm paying them so much more. I'm giving them so much more. It's more what they're not getting. Yeah. Why exactly. they to, to work with me. Yeah, no, that's very true. And I've noticed that a lot. And I, it just makes, I mean, you know, of course, like I'm younger and stuff like that, but it definitely makes me think if I ever hire people, even just like little things, like little comments or like little, the energy or like some people don't say good morning to people like that's Mm -hmm. like that to me speaks so much more and maybe other people don't pick up on it but I definitely do and yeah jobs are they really like dictate a lot about like our self-worth and you know especially if it's a career that you're passionate about because you're gonna work at like fucking Panera and like not give a fuck about anything you know but like if it's like your passion it could really fuck up the way people see their passion because it can ruin like their dreams it affects your work too i was the most miserable bitch the last probably year or so at my at my previous job like people probably hated me and i don't blame them because i was so negative i didn't give a fuck because i was so miserable and I wanted to get out and I was just miserable and it was just eating me alive because I'm not a miserable person and I love doing fucking hair like I love doing hair and I was not doing great hair or I wasn't doing the hair that I'm capable of because I was so miserable I wasn't putting my passion or my 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 love into my work. I just wasn't. I was just going through the motions to get through every fucking day. And man, when I opened up my own place and now having this new talent around me and surrounded by their positivity and their energy, I'm like, damn, I forgot how much I fucking love to do hair. I forgot how much I love to be surrounded by people that love to do hair. I was surrounded by people that did hair because it paid their bills. They were, it didn't get them out of bed in the morning. I fucking love doing hair. And the people that work at the collective hair studio love doing hair and they love talking about it and they love sharing it with their coworkers. And it's, if it, you're not going to build a beautiful building, if you're surrounded by shit, you're not going to be motivated, right? Yeah. Like you have to be surrounded by like-minded people, which is why I named the salon, the collective, because that's literally the definition. It's on our wall. It's a group of like-minded people. That's what I've created. Yeah, and I 
got my hair done there a few weeks ago and I I'm a person that I really pick up on vibes like I'm very quiet and like I just like to observe my surroundings first and I can like adapt to that it's just subconscious but like I really like the vibe your salon definitely was really great and tell us like where you're located and stuff so people can follow you yeah so we are and thank you because that that means a lot because we really try to emote a vibe like organically and there's a lot of we've had some beautiful like google reviews from people that love their hair and love their stylist but there's so many people that are like the vibe is so good there like everyone seems so nice you know and um we t- i touched on this briefly with you or you saw it um i think part of the reason that is is i have a rule or a policy it's kind of like my only rule slash policy in the salon and People think it's funny when I say it, but when they work with us, they get it. And I have a no asshole policy, (laughs) right? Like what? And I'm like, I have a no asshole policy. So what that means is you cannot be an asshole and work at the collective hair studio, right? Like, I don't care if you have a million dollar book, you have superstar clients. Like if you're an asshole, you can't work with it. Like you can't sit here, you know, like we, we have just such nice, like I said, people that we work together and we vibe together and it's great. And it's because there's no superstars, there's no specials, there's no this, like there's no assholes. And that sounds silly, but when you work at a place that has favorites or has people that do shitty work or bad behaviors and the boss just lets that go, right? Like those people are assholes and the boss is letting them be an asshole. It creates contempt. You can't be an asshole client. And I know people are like, whoa, what? Yes. You cannot be an asshole to anybody that works for me. I will not let you disrespect a stylist. I will not let you disrespect an assistant. I will not let you disrespect me. The customer is obviously so important in our industry, but not at the expense of being rude or mean or demeaning to anyone that works for me. And there are many, many owners and in any, again, uh, arena that will let customers speak any sort of way to their employees. They just let them berate them. They let them call them, text them, say things to them any time, day or night. I do not let that happen, right? You can't be an asshole client and you can't be an asshole and work with us. It eliminates a lot of trash, believe it or not. It, It really eliminates and it makes your, it makes my team anyway, know that if somebody speaks to them in a certain way or ask them to do something that they don't feel comfortable with, I have their back and saying, it's, it's fine. If you don't want to do that, you don't feel comfortable doing it. I got your back. Yeah. I think that's definitely very important. And also, so for the people to know, cause I think some people might not know what is a bad client because some people might not know that they're assholes, you know, and treating people disrespectfully, but like, what's your standard for a client? Obviously like showing up on time. Listen, we're in North Palms. We're over the bridge. Like people are late and they catch the bridge. Like that's, that's not a bad client. To me, somebody that's a bad client is somebody that does not appreciate what the stylist is doing for them and is not hearing what they're telling them. So my stylists are very, very, good at what they do. They're very clear with their consultations and they let their clients know what to expect. And they're, they're very open about that. A a bad client. I don't even like that word, a bad client, but um, a bad client is somebody that's been told 
this is what you need. This is what we're going to do. This is what you need to do at home, blah, 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 blah. And then they come back and say, this isn't what I wanted. I didn't get the result I wanted. And it's because usually nine times out of 10, they didn't listen to what their stylist was telling them. Um, a bad client also is someone that is not respectful of my stylist time. And what I mean by that is not being late or anything like that. But you know, if you're texting your hairdresser at midnight or Sunday or 6 a.m. pictures of your hair, that's not okay. Like, you would not text. If your tooth hurt, right? Like, you'd call the 1-800 number. You don't text your dentist. You don't text your doctor, right? Like, yeah. there's protocols to follow. So, I, I just because we're on Instagram and because we're on our phones a lot and you might have our phone number doesn't mean we have 24 hour, you have 24 hour access to them. And I'm, I really empower my stylist to say, that's not okay. You have hours, you go home, you got babies, you have a husband, you have kids, you're going to the gym, you got sports. You don't have to answer those. And it's okay to say like, Hey, these are my hours of business. Please respect them. Yeah. And I think it's good to set boundaries in the beginning. Cause a lot of people have issues with, it's kind of sometimes too late, you know, like, yeah. To go back from that. And Especially when you're a new stylist, you want to answer everybody. You want to answer every text, every Instagram, right? Because that's how you build your business. But if you make it a habit of letting people text you at midnight, or if you're interrupting your time with your kids to have a lengthy conversation with a client that should be had in the salon, you need to say like, hey, these are my, I'm with my family. I can't have this conversation right now. And, and I support them. So when you're trying to hire people for your salon, what do you look for? And like, what is a big red flag that you're like, fuck that? Like, I would never hire her. <laughs> um, okay. So that's a two-part question. So when I, we'll start with the red flag. So a red flag to me is somebody that comes in and is uncoachable. And what I mean by that is I'm a very seasoned hairdresser. There's not much I don't know technically like behind the chair, but I'm super open to learn. I learn from my young stylist all the time. I learn, you know, about TikTok and Instagram, not like that shit wasn't around right when I started, but I'm yeah. open to, I'm open to learn. I'm open to hear about it. I, I like people that are open to learn and listen. If you come in and you say, I've been doing hair X amount of years, here's my book. Um, I don't, you know, you, you can just kind of tell like who's open if they think they know everything and they don't want to be coached and they don't want to really be part of the team. It's a big red flag and I won't hire them. And I've, I've had stylists interview with me that have huge books where I could have hired them and it would have been very financially advantageous for me. Um, but again, I worked at a salon where people made a lot of money and they were fucking assholes and the owners let them be assholes and it makes for a bad environment. I would much rather take somebody brand new out of school or someone that's been doing hair a few years with a small clientele that's like, hey, I really want to learn from you. I want to learn from your team and is coachable. I'll take them all day long because I can teach anybody how to do hair. Like my team is so talented. I could take a brand new person and put them with any one of my stylists and they can make them do good hair. What I can't teach is hungry. I can't teach you to be hungry. Like if you're not like wanting to make money and wanting to be successful, I can't teach you to do that. And I can't teach nice. Mm -hmm. If you're not nice, 
you can't work here. Things I look for are excitement. Like I said, people that really love doing hair. They love learning. They love being around people that love doing hair. That's that's a, a big attraction for me. And that's what I look for is somebody that is part of, or they're like-minded like us, I guess. Mm-hmm. What inspired you to be a hairstylist? Because <laughs> I would just think that it would be cool to make people feel good about themselves. It's I say it's the best job in the world, right? Because you literally get to make women feel pretty. Or, you know, or you get to make men look good too, I guess. But it's a female-dominated industry, I'd say. Um, you know, we get to physically touch people too. Like if you walk in a bank, right, and you open up an account and someone touches your shoulder or they touch your hair, like, oh, you're here to open an account. You'd be like, what the fuck, man, right? But you could be – I mean, you came into my salon as a total stranger. You sat in my chair. I put my hand on your shoulder. I'm touching your hair. We're talking about what you want to do. We're in an intimate space. Like, that's very special. Most people do not get to physically touch other people. And it's like a gift that people give to you. And they don't even realize it, right? Like, they just sit down in your chair. They feel comfortable. And you get to make them feel pretty, right? Like, you have some women come in. And I always, I had very difficult hair as a kid. And I never, ever, ever liked my hair, ever. I used to leave the salon crying all the time. And I remember I had my last terrible haircut and I was like, fuck this. I'm going to go to beauty school. Like I always was fascinated by the industry, but I never liked the way other people did my hair. So I was like, you know what? If I'm going to be miserable, I'm going to mess up my own hair. So I'm going to go to beauty school. Yeah. I was always fascinated with like being in a salon and seeing like the hairdressers are always pretty. They're stylish. They're like cool, you know? Um, And we get to make people feel good about themselves. And there's not a lot of industries that get to do that. You know, they, you're doing a service for them or you're performing a service and getting paid for it. But we get to be like participatory in their feeling good about themselves. Like I imagine that you've had relationships with people for a long time. People probably tell you their deepest, darkest secrets. Oh, we say all the time that like our, our license says cosmetologist, but it should say psych cosmetologist. <laughs> I mean, I, I've, I've seen people get married, divorced, you know, I've had to shave women's heads when they found out they had cancer. Um, I've dyed their hair when their hair has grown back from cancer. I've done their daughter's first highlights. Now I'm doing their hair when they're getting married. Um, you know, I've, I've seen clients get sick and pass away. Like it's a very personal, personal business, you know, and I'm grateful for, I, I, there's nothing else in the world I would do other than be a hairdresser. That's awesome. Yeah. I think having passion for anything at all is like very special. A lot of people don't have that. So, you know, you with doing hair and like me and architecture, like we're pretty lucky, you know, to found things that we enjoy doing and that can make us money. Absolutely. And be good at it. Yeah. And be good at it. So do you have any final words? I don't, I guess I would just say thank you for letting me be on and thank you for giving or having this platform where people can come on and be bad bitches and share their stories. Because I think the more we share these stories and learn from each other, it's kind of an affirmation. Like we're doing the right thing. We might not always be beating to the same drum as other women or other people, but talking to you and and meeting you, I'm like, I'm doing the right thing. I'm on the right fucking path. Oh, thank you. That means a lot. And I'm glad we connected 
and we're going to be having an event soon at your salon. So yes, the launch, I can't wait. Yeah. So wait, what's your Instagram handle for the salon? So our Instagram handle for the salon is at collective underscore hair studio. And we are located in the Crystal Cove Commons Plaza in North Palm Beach, Florida. 